0: I fought the urge to dance there for a minute. I don't know if you saw that, but welcome. So glad to have you here with us this morning and um, for this great, nice and muggy day. Glad to have air conditioning, right? So, so glad to have you here. Now, I want to ask you, have you ever been humbled by something that happened? Maybe you slipped and you fell in the pool Maybe you thought you, you were sure you were really right about something and then you found out that you were wrong. Or maybe you're a football player and all the band is lined up and they're announcing the players and that football player runs down in between everybody in front of the crowd and you know that white paper that the cheerleaders make for them to run through? This person goes and smashes through that paper and falls flat on their face. That was me. (laughs) I was so excited. I'm like, I'm not going to be one of those people that bounces off. I'm going to go right through this thing. And yeah, I fell on my face. But then I got up right away. So there's lots of things that can happen that can be embarrassing to us um, and that can cause us to, to be humble. Um, one thing that happened was back a few years ago, uh, we were in the small country of Moldova, which not many people know about Moldova now because it borders Ukraine. But we're in Moldova, and one day we're in this small camp, and the missionary dropped us off at this camp, my family, and then went back to get more things. And while at the camp, all of these, these children start arriving, and we can't, they speak Romanian, we can't speak Romanian. So we're like, oh no, they're all excited trying to talk to us and, and, and we can't do it. And you know, so I, I'm like, okay, here I am, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak in Romanian, right? So I'm going to say something simple like, good morning, how are you? Right? That's simple enough. And that, that phrase goes like this, buna di miniata ce faci, all right? Unfortunately, I didn't say it like that. I said some sort of Spanish mix, I think. It was like, bueno, diminuta, miñata, uh, se And then all of the children burst out in laughter. And here I am, all embarrassed. I'm this educated American person here, and now I feel like an idiot, right? So. That was very humbling to me in the moment, but I managed to get past it, and we managed to have opportunity to minister to the children there and actually see uh, many of those children uh, saved, but but I worked through that. I didn't allow my pride to get in the way of what God was doing there. You know, this morning we're going to dive into the book of James, and we're going to be talking about the fight against the enemy. And you know, I didn't originally plan to do the I plan to pray before I started, but I think given the topic we're talking about today, I think that I need to pray. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, God, and we understand that this is a battle. We have a battle going on right now, God, and it is against the enemy is against Satan, God. And I pray, God, that you would give me the words to say today that you be honored and glorified in, in what I say. And, God, that we would be empowered against the enemy, that we could overcome, and that we could be strengthened by the power of your word and by who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and turn to James chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty rough, right? That, that catches my attention when I'm looking at Scripture. It says, you adulterous people. Whoa. It's like, I'm going to take, take a step back and listen because, like, James is pretty serious here. So he's talking about being a friend of the world equals being an enemy of God. That's a pretty big deal, right? So we, we, then we, So we then need to define... What is the world? The world is this present world order or system of life in its condition of self-reliance and independence from God along with its apostate beliefs, values, ethics, and practices. The world is, stands against God. The, the world goes in a direction that God is not going, that is not a part of God's plan. You know, many years ago, uh, I was doing group counseling, and this individual spoke up and said, you know, I've had 17 different counselors, and no one has ever been able to help me. And immediately, alarm bells go off in my head. I, w- I didn't have a whole lot of experience in counseling at that point, but I'm like, whoa, wait a second here. Um, But I had the wits about me to understand that as this person was sharing, they're talking about how they know, how they have all of the answers. And yet they were not able to manage their mental health. Finally, what I did, I went over to the chalkboard and I wrote down the word humility. And I said, I have one homework assignment for you. I want you to go home and look up this word in the dictionary. And then I want you to come back next time and I want you to share with the group what you've learned. Now, needless to say, he did not return to group. And I think I was probably, apparently, the 18th counselor, that was not able to help him. You see, the world's focus is only on pleasing man, as opposed to any desire to please God. When we think we have all the answers, then we we wonder why life is still such a mess. We tend to look around and blame others instead of turning to God and asking him for help. God longs to have our allegiance. He wants to have our submission to him. It says in this verse, it says he gives us more grace. He gives us what we don't deserve, despite our shortcomings. So there's hope for us, even if we've been a friend of the world. But if we're full of pride, then God stands opposed to us. James warns us of this pride and we're going to continue in James chapter 4 verse 7 in the beginning part here and it says this submit yourselves then to God that brings us to our first strategy to fighting the enemy and that is to get humble this becoming humble is our primary responsibility If we want to honor God with our lives. I'll often tell people some of the most important signs of a mature Christian is not how much he or she knows. But it's how teachable he or she is. If we think that we've arrived and that we know everything, everything that there is to know, then we're bound to fail. To be teachable, we must be humble. Who is the center of your universe? Is it yourself? Is it God? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Submitting to God in humility requires that we have a shift in perspective. Submitting to God means he decides morality. He decides what is right and wrong. He decides what is best for you and for me. He decides the beginning and the end. Of our days he is all the ultimate authority and we are not so we might say to ourselves I don't want anyone else in charge of my life I want to be in charge of my life but you know we're partnering with the devil on that one because that's part of his lie that's part of his lie that leads to pride That independence from God equals freedom but that's a lie from Satan and in fact leads to further darkness, bondage, and sin, and ultimately to destruction. Proverbs 16, verse 18 says this, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. One of our best defenses against the enemy is to stay humble, not thinking of yourself more than you ought. Maybe in your life you've had some Christian brothers or sisters that have admonished you because of a behavior, behavior uh, that you do. And you think to yourself, wait, I'm not doing anything wrong. But if you're honest, you take things before God and his word, what do you find? Maybe it's how you treat your spouse. Maybe it's how you treat your coworker, your kids, or even a friend. Like the man in the group counseling session that I shared about earlier, If Christian brothers and sisters are telling you the same thing, maybe it's time that you step back and take a look. Take a look at your life and go before God and allow him to change you. Or you come to a leader and you ask a leader, hey, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I need help. Please help me to change. So number one, we need to be humble. And number two, we need to get serious. I find it interesting that we, have, we don't have a problem being mean to people that bother us. We don't have a problem being mean and yelling at that guy who cut us off. We don't have a problem being mean to that person who comes in our house and tries to rob us, right? Um, but when it comes to things that are spiritual, when it comes to things that will rob us spiritually, do we fight with the same veracity that we do when, we get, when, when someone's trying to rob our house. And that's honestly what pride does. Pride attempts to rob us, so we need to get serious. And we need to understand that there's an enemy. James 4, 7, the second part, says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, the devil is trying to lead you somewhere. So just see it for what it is. To resist means to put one's face against. This idea of turning and declaring you and I are not on the same side. It's what we talked about the first couple weeks. This is a fight. This is a battle. And we must be prepared. I'm going to go ahead and go to Ezekiel 28 because you know what? Um, Sometimes we have this idea of Satan... You know, that he is this guy with that's red with a pitchfork and horns. And he's this silly-looking silly looking guy that maybe might be a fictional character. But in reality, Satan is real. And I'm telling you that, you know, he's real and he's, he's out to, to get us to, uh, to, to not follow God. So I'm going to read Ezekiel 28, um, verses 15 to 17. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created, till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. And I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before kings. This is speaking about when Satan was thrown out of heaven. Satan was prideful. He was full of pride and he thought, hey, no, I'm better than God. I'm going to do it my way. And God kicked him out of heaven. But pride is the same thing that he uses to get us to go away from what God wants for us, to go away from the path that he has for us. In Ephesians 6, it tells us, God's word says that, that there is a battle. And this battle is against flesh and blood. It's not necessarily against people that are adversarial to us. It's against the powers of darkness. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 says this, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. The reality is that there's a battle, and there is a spiritual battle. Imagine if our, how our relationships might improve, and they might improve dramatically if our focus was on submitting to God and resisting the devil rather than on attacking others. But one thing that we do need to understand is that Satan has a strategy. And his strategy can be boiled down to two ways. The first is to distract us from our purpose. Jesus says, he speaks about this as being friendship with the world. In Philippians, it says, Many lives, many live as enemies of the cross, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set. On earthly things. The most effective way to get us is to get us sidetracked with our appetites, our desires, and our wants. If we're busy pursuing all these things in this world besides God, besides what He wants for us, then we're rendered ineffective. Then what impact are we making for the cause of Jesus Christ? Because we're distracted by so many other things. Perhaps you tried hard to live for God and you found difficulty comes. Well, sometimes if we're not doing anything for the Lord, sometimes he, Satan leaves us alone. Oh, well, we'll just, you know, let him do what he's going to do. If I, if I put trial into their life, they might actually seek after God. So sometimes when we choose to pursue God, sometimes things become difficult because ultimately, Satan does not want you to make your next steps. We constantly talk about that here, right? We talk about make your next steps. What, what, what is the next step that Jesus has for you to make? Satan doesn't want you to make your next step. He doesn't want you to follow after him. He doesn't want you to lead others to Jesus. If at the center of our will is a desire to be comfortable, live an easy life, have no conflict, then we're headed for destruction what needs to be at the center of our will is a desire to please god another strategy that satan uses is to destroy our hope and faith to cause doubt if satan can undermine our faith and our hope that jesus can that, that jesus is unable to lead us down a path then He's, 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 he can get us that way. We need to decide that we're going to spend our time with the Lord. We're going to pursue after him. We're going to submit to him humbly and allow him to change our lives and not be distracted by the, the doubt that Satan puts in there. So he distracts us from purpose, and he attempts to destroy our faith and hope. James continues with his strategy in verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. The third point here is to get holy. What team are you playing for? When we come to Jesus Christ, we become children of God. We go from belonging to Satan to then belonging to God. When we choose to be aligned with the world, we are going against our identity. We are going against who we are. Now, when you're playing for a team you work together with those teammates. You put that jersey on, you identify with that team, you identify with their goals, and you want to score the goal to win the game. When you end up living for the world, you're trying to score the goal for the opposing team, which is Satan. I remember when my son Ezekiel was in second grade, and he's always loved to play soccer. And so there they are playing soccer on the field and, and uh, the other team comes and, and they're short some players. So then what happened was they said, hey, could you let us borrow a couple of your players so that we can actually play the game? So the coaches are like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So Ezekiel happened to be one of those players. Now you gotta understand second grade level here um, there's no keeping score, it's all about skills development, all that sort of stuff, but not with Zeke. See, Zeke always knew what the score was. He was always trying to win the game regardless, right? So when he went and put that other jersey on, he really struggled. He, he the, the coaches could see it in his face as he struggled. He's, he's like, how could I do this? How could I go and, like, try and score a goal against my team? He just he just didn't get it. And then, and then finally the, the, the coaches are like, okay, Zeke, all right. So they, they let him put his own jersey back on, and then he went at it. He went at it, and he was trying to score goals and, and, and working together with his teammates, but he just he didn't understand. Like, if I'm on this team, why would I play for the other team. And that's what it's like as we live in this world. It's like if we choose to be of the world, to be friend of the world, then we're choosing to be a player on the other team. James describes it this way, he describes it as a double-minded man. A double-minded man is one who has two allegiances. To choose to live a holy life, set apart unto God, is to choose to play for the team that you are a part of. Striving to eliminate sin from your life. It might sound a little weird the way that James words this in in this verse because he's saying, "Why why is he telling us to be sad? Well, when is the last time that you grieved over your sin? It can be so easy for us to be focused on not having a negative feeling that we don't truly deal with sin but it's important to allow ourselves to feel the guilt of sin to grieve that sin and then to turn from it we also want to be careful not to compare ourselves to others and say hey I'm doing pretty good but rather compare ourselves to a perfect and holy God whose standard is much higher on the other hand we also have some that deal with guilt and shame. Maybe you're out here today, and you deal with some guilt and shame um, related to some things that you've done. Maybe that's taken you captive. And sometimes that lie, there's a lie from the enemy that says, "Oh, well, you can never come to God. Look what you did, right?" But that is a lie, right from Satan, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and the cross declares. That Jesus already paid the price for sin. The reality is, is that sin, darkness, and hiddenness are ways of Satan. Righteousness, light, and openness are the ways of God. Which leads us to our last strategy here. Hebrews ten, Hebrews four verse ten. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So number four is gain freedom. The lie is that God restricts us from doing what we want. Satan has been successful in selling that lie. Freedom comes from saying, God, I am yours, and asking forgiveness for our sins, placing God at the center of my life. I know that your ways are better than my ways. Teach me to love your words in the Bible and to follow them. Not like someone who looks in the mirror and when they walk away they forget what they looked like. But rather someone who looks at your word and applies it to life. One of the ways I wanted to illustrate this kingdom, of, I call it kingdom of God versus kingdom of man. One starts with humility and the other one starts with pride. So the first one there live and exist to serve God underneath the, if we're pursuing the kingdom of God we live and exist to serve God if we're pursuing the kingdom of man we live and exist to serve self if we're pursuing the kingdom of God we strive to follow after God we strive to serve others and point them to God the kingdom of man strives to serve only self. If our needs are not met, in the kingdom of God, we turn to God in prayer and we seek his will. In the kingdom of man, we become upset and then we begin to blame others that our needs are not being met. It's all about me. I want my needs met. And the result of the kingdom of God, humility and submission focus is that we have freedom, joy, and contentment. And the result, if we have the pursuit of the kingdom of man, is bondage, discontent, shame, and guilt. Christ already purchased victory. If we walk in humility and repentance before him, he promises to fight for us as we fight for our lives. We fight from freedom, not for freedom. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We are able to overcome the enemy. You see, the enemy wants you to fail, He wants me to fail. He wants you to play for his team, even though you belong to God's team. But there's hope, because with God's strength, he will equip us to overcome. This is the fight of your life, and it is possible to overcome the enemy and to live for Jesus. But it can't be something that we just try half-heartedly to do it requires putting on the armor of god which is the truths of god's word and taking those next steps in your faith now this is this is the end of our series on fight for your life but i wanted to review all of them cuz it all comes together here the first one the first series and you could always go back and look at these by the way if you like go to tuncanick podcast bridgewater tuncanick podcast like you Google that, you'll be able to listen to all, all, the, uh, all of this series here. So number one was protect your mind. It all begins with your thinking. It all begins with the way that we think that leads to the next steps in whatever direction that we're going to go. Two, watch your mouth. Will you choose to build others up or to tear them down? Three, fight for the next generation. Realizing the role and the impact that you can have on a life. Number four, fight against sin. Take sin seriously. And number five, fight against the enemy. Know that there is one and that he's out there to destroy you, but that you can overcome him. And this ultimately can all be accomplished in what we discussed today. So I want what i want you to take with you is this number one submit to god in humility it starts with god okay you're in control i give this over to you i realize that you are the one that i serve so it starts with submitting to god number two resisting the devil however you want to do it you can say get behind me satan If you want to say that i even like you know the uh I've seen the shirt, you know, um, Not Today, Satan. You know, I really like that shirt. It's pretty cool. Um, so if you need to say, Not Today, Satan, start with that. But don't let it end there. You need to take it to the next step by choosing not to believe the lies, but rather choosing to believe what is true. And number three, draw near to God. Intentionally pursue your relationship with God. We we all, there's, there's people that we... we we love in life and we want to get to know them and, then, and how we get to know them is that we spend time with them. We're not going to get to know God more unless we spend time with him, right? More time in his word, more time in prayer, just getting to know who he is and what he wants for our lives. So draw near to God. And number four, remembering what team you're on. If you're here this morning and you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you are on God's team. So when you're going out through your week and you're tempted to say something you shouldn't say or your thought process is moving in a direction where it shouldn't go or you're tempted to do something that you shouldn't do, remember that you're on God's team and you're playing for him. And I want to encourage you, for those anyone that doesn't know Jesus this morning. If you're not absolutely sure, um, I'm telling you what, walking, there's nothing like walking with Jesus. Doesn't promise you, there's not promise that there won't be trials, no promise that there won't be temptations, but walking through life with Jesus by your side, there's absolutely nothing like it. And so if you haven't, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not sure, um, please come and talk to me afterwards. And and let's get that let's get that worked out if God is working on your heart in that way. So so this week let's let's pursue holiness, let's submit to God, and let's allow Him to change our lives. Let's pray.